Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. I'm going to say that again, and when I say, wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, I want y'all to say, and Christ will shine upon you. Are y'all ready? Wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. This is a, a call that we see in Ephesians that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and it's fulfilling this ancient prophecy that we are a people who will hear the call, wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon us. Friends, who are those people in your life that call you to wake up, that say to you, wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, so that you can have Christ shine upon you? We're in the middle of our Witness series, looking at a book that talks about essential relationships that we see in Scripture that every Christian needs to have in their life. And today we're looking at uh, the relationship between Jethro and Moses. Um, The chapter uh, in this is talking about this relationship between Jethro and Moses. So our Scripture for today is going to be found in Exodus 18. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus 18, starting in verse 9 through 26. Hear the word of the Lord. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done in Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Pharaoh. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought to burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses, Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and as they stood around him from morning till evening... When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you, and you cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions. Show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. So let capable men from all of Israel, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide for themselves, and that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands you, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. 
He chose capable men from all of Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, fifties, and hundreds, and tens and hundreds. And they served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones were decided themselves. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this passage, you see that there are two kind of key people in the story. You see Moses, who is the leader of the Israelite people, who has just led his people out of Egypt. And if you know the Moses story, this is right before the Israelites are at the foot of Mount Sinai. This is before the golden calf. This is even before the Ten Commandments. This is right after the deliverance from the hand of the Egyptians. And then you have Jethro who's Moses' father-in-law, who Scripture tells us was the high priest of Midian, who worshipped Yahweh, who worshipped the Lord. This is the person that Moses ran to when he murdered an Egyptian when he was younger and then fled to the desert, and he found refuge with Jethro, and Jethro gave his daughter to Moses because Jethro loved and cared for Moses. So as you look at these relationships that we need to have in the Christian community, uh, the chapter that this particular one is based off is called having a a butt kicker in your life. Um, Someone that motivates you, someone that pushes you forward, someone that brings you from a path that is leading to destruction to a path that is leading to where God wants you to go. And so how are we to cultivate those relationships If we want to have this Jethro-type relationship in our lives, there are two things that we need to have. The first is we need to have the humility of Moses. To have these relationships, we need to have the humility of a Moses. In this story, Moses shows Jethro all the wonderful things that God has done for him. He lets Jethro into his life. He doesn't hide things. He doesn't shy away from things. He's like, look at all that the Lord has done for me. Look at how he led us out of slavery in Egypt. Look at the wonders the Lord poured out over the Egyptians. And the Lord has appointed me as leader of all these people. He shows Jethro how he lives, how he works. And at the same time, he has the humility, despite his great position as leader of the Israelites, to let Jethro speak into his life, to listen to Jethro, and make changes necessary. Friends, the reality is that if we want to go on to perfection, if we want to sow sanctification, if we want to be a people who become more like Jesus, we have to have Jethro-like people in our lives that call us out from our place of complacency, that call us out from our places where we are going down a wrong path, that say what you are doing is not good for you. We need to have those people in our lives. And the only way we can have those people in our lives is if we are people who cultivate humility. We need to be a people who cultivate humility. Friends, are you able to receive correction? Are you able to receive correction? Or when someone speaks hard truth into your life, do you get angry, lash out, step into denial, refuse to change? You know, I think we want Jethro's with our lips, but in our practices, we don't cultivate the humility of Moses to allow people like Jethro to speak into our lives Why is it that we don't want people like Jethro in our lives? I think there's a few reasons. I think the first is pride or arrogance. This idea that I know best, I am always right. 
I'm smarter than everyone else. I know what I'm doing. It's almost like you're placing yourself on this pedestal and there's no one else above me who can tell me how to do things, that I am the smartest one here. There's nothing that anyone can tell me what to do. Self-righteousness, which is not only that I know better, but I am better than everyone else. It's the difference between pride and self-righteousness. I am better than everyone else. It's a self-deception that we all play, that I'm perfectly fine the way that I am, that I don't need anyone in my life to push me to better things. I don't need anyone because I'm perfectly fine with just me, myself, and I, and there's no one, nothing that anyone else could offer to me as well. Maybe it's insecurities, that it, our fear that if we're corrected, it will, it will bring up all these insecurities that we have about ourselves, all these fears, all this self-hatred, all these things that we worry deeply about ourselves that are deeply broken, that if someone says you need to do something different, we just react from a place of insecurity. And rather than seeing the correction as healing, we see it as a threat to ourself and our well-being. Maybe it's we desire to be in control. I'm in control of my own life. I have to be the one who determines my path. Or maybe it's just that we're comfortable right where we are, that we don't see a need to change because we enjoy our comfortability. You know, one of my favorite quotes is by St. Augustine, and this is before Augustine became a Christian. He said, I prayed, Lord, grant me chastity and self-control, but not yet. Grant me chastity and self-control, but not yet. Isn't that often how it feels like our prayers are? Uh, there's this tension between us desiring holiness, us desiring sanctification, us desiring to move forward, and yet there's that other part of our lives that say they're just kind of holding ourselves back. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. That's why we need someone like Jethro to come into our lives and, and be that, that butt kicker, that motivator, that one who spurns us on to a better future. See, Moses was perfectly comfortable going before the Israelites day after day after day, and yet it was profoundly unhealthy for him. That just because something is normal in your life, just because something is comfortable in your life, doesn't mean that it's healthy and good in your life. We need a Jethro who can come into our lives with a fresh pair of eyes and be able to look into our eyes and say, what you are doing is not good for you. What you are doing is not good for you. You know, that's one of the reasons that we've launched these discipleship bands here at uh, KUMC, is because uh, it's part of this Wesleyan tradition of going back to the days of John Wesley because he realized that if we are to be a people who pursue holiness, that we are terrible people at holding ourselves accountable. That we can say we want holiness, but we need that accountability. We need that community. We need those to come and surround ourselves with other people in our lives that will look you in the eyes and say, what you are doing is not good. So our discipleship bands are a group of about 
three to four same-gender people who meet weekly to look each other in the eye, to confess sin, to talk about the state of your heart, and to be able to speak truth into the lives of one another, to be able to say, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Someone who will call us out from our sense of complacency and say, there is a better way to live with the Lord than what you are doing right now. That's the hope and the dream and the desire of these discipleship bands. I know for me, when I was in Kentucky, I had a, my mentor pastor up in Kentucky, Pastor Dan, was um, someone who really spoke that truth into my life, spoke that Jethro, this is not a healthy way to live moment in my life. Um, I remember there was this time in seminary when I was really arrogant and prideful, and I held up this idol of what successful ministry looked like, that if I could just get a big church, then that would be very successful ministry. Oh, if all the pews could be filled, if all the chairs could be filled, that's what success would look like. And I remember, I remember very vividly uh, that there was a moment where um, it was the Bill Hybels uh, moral failing. And Bill Hybels had the largest church in America for so long. And so you see from the outside, Bill Hybels has this massive church, this massive ministry success that it seemed like from every metric that I deemed valuable, he was leading the categories in. And it's like, that's a man that I want to follow. And then the fruit of his life was not mimicking the success of his church. And I remember I had this sort of crisis of faith, this small crisis of faith, that he had so much success, and yet he had this, he held or hid this sin that was crushing him for years. And I remember I was talking with Dan about it, and I was like, what, what's going on? Why am I so despondent? And he looked me in my eyes, and he said, you have set your sight on worldly leaders and people, and you have let them define success for you rather than what Jesus has defined as successful. And that moment, that Jethro moment where he looked me in my eyes and said, your way of viewing church is not the way that Jesus views church. Change the trajectory of my life and my ministry. That we need to have people like that that can speak that hard truth into our lives. And we need to have the humility to either listen to what they have to say or to resist and stay in the path that leads to destruction. And friends, not everyone who speaks into your life is a Jethro. It's important to, it's important to say that not everyone who speaks into your life is a Jethro, and we need to have the wisdom to understand the difference. So not only do we need Jethro's, but Scripture also calls us to be people like Jethro. But to be Jethro's, to be people who speak truth into others' lives, we need to speak from a place of love. That Jethro's speak to others from a place of love. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. He deeply and profoundly loved Moses. He let Moses tend his flocks in the desert. He married his daughter off to Moses. And when Jethro hears about all the good things the Lord has done for Israel and for Moses, he celebrates with them, and he's happy for how the Lord is blessing Moses. And then notice how Jethro corrects Moses in verse 18. He says, You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out the work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone. But there's this deep sense of care for Moses when Jethro corrects him. This is not good for you. 
you are wearing yourself out and you're wearing your people out too. That the guidance that came from Jethro came from a place of love and genuine concern for Moses. Friends, I believe that we're called to speak into each other's lives like Jethro, but how we do it matters just as much as us actually doing it. Scripture speaks about this in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of angels but don't have love, I'm a noisy gong. That the motivation behind why we do things matters as much as the actual act in which we do things. I mean, I think we all know those people who are like, I just love telling others how to live. You know, those people that, that I, lo- I, I, just, I just tell it like it is. I just tell truth. You know, those type of people. But, but when it comes to their own junk, they're like, oh, no, no, don't touch anything over here. I'm just a truth-sayer. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this deep sense of relationship and connection that comes from a place of love. That's how Scripture calls us to speak into one another's lives. So how do we do it? How do we speak uh, from a place of love into one another's life? Do you love them? Do you love them? Do you, do you love the person that you're speaking into, or are you speaking from a place of pride and self-righteousness? Because that's not what Jethro did, and it's not what we should do either. Is this speaking coming up from a desire to be right or desire for the betterment of the other person? Does it come from a desire to be right or desire for the betterment of the other? When Jethro gives advice to Moses, he doesn't give it just so he can be right. He gives it so that Moses can thrive and live the life God wants him to live. Maybe you're worried about the other person's reaction that's preventing you from speaking up. Oh, that's, that's just how Jeremy is. That's just who Jeremy is. He's just that mean person. He won't listen to anyone That's just who he is. Do we excuse bad behavior? Do we assume that they won't receive correction? Are we excusing unhealthy and bad behavior because we're worried how the other person will receive it? Are we speaking up when there is a pattern of unhealthiness that would lead to disaster in the other person's life? And this can apply to any relationship that you have. This isn't, uh, hey, you folded the laundry wrong. Um, patterns, but this is these life patterns that lead to destruction. And so how do we do it? How do we speak into another's life? I think Scripture in Jethro's way of speaking into Moses lays, us, lays for us a pattern of how we can do it. The first is to ask why. The first is to ask why. When Jethro observes what Moses is doing, he asks them a question. Hey, Moses, uh, why are you doing this? Because we can't read another person's heart, we're not God, and so let the other person explain their heart. When we ask why, then we listen. That Jethro genuinely, genuinely listens to Moses' response, and to truly listen to the other person when we ask them a question. And then, only then, do we offer correction. That Jethro, he asks Moses a question, he listens to him, and then he says, what you're doing isn't right. This isn't good. This isn't good. He offers correction, and then he not only offers correction, but he offers a better path forward. Instead of doing this, try this instead. Now, don't just go and slap someone off the side of the head, but say, maybe try this way instead. This might be the better path for you to do things. Instead of doing it this way, maybe try it this way. 
And then finally, this is probably the hardest step, which is to let go. Because you can't control other people. Can't control other people. As much as you may wish, you can't control others. There's an element where we just have to be faithful to what God is calling us to do and then say, all right, Lord, it's up to you now. Friends, I believe that this pattern of speaking into one another's lives can bring people from darkness to light, from death to life, that Jethro spurns Moses to a better place. He pushes him forward that I am in a better place because of Dan speaking into my life. And this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. Because Jesus, when he confronts people, he speaks to them full of grace and truth, as the scripture says. That Jesus calls people from darkness to light. That when Jesus spoke into the lives of people like the woman at the well, he did it full of grace and he did it full of truth and he did it full of love, but he also said there's a better way to live. And when Jesus confronted the rich young ruler, he, he called him out, but he did it with full of grace and love and he said this is the better way forward. John's gospel in the beginning says that we have seen the glory of God. We have seen the glory of God. And what is the glory of God? It's Jesus who spoke in grace and truth. We need both. Both grace and truth. Because grace without truth excuses sin and bad behavior. And truth without grace leads to shame and hiding sin. Because we need this transformation that only Jesus can bring. Grace and truth. Love and humility. We need to be a Moses, and we need Jethro's in our lives. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.